Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, September 30th. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and today I'm going to be speaking to European distressed debt managing editor Luca Rossi about Italian shipping company Moby. I'm also going to be chatting to distressed debt and restructuring editor Robert Schack about the European plastic and flexible packaging sector. So Moby's had an eventful week. Luca, uh, before we dive into what's happened, can you set the scene a little bit? Hey, Richard. Sure. So um, Moby and its subsidiary Compagnia Italiana di Navigazione, or CIN, filed for Concordato in June 2020 at the Court of Milan. Many things have happened uh, since, but let's focus on the most uh, recent ones. So one week ago, the company announced uh, um, uh, announced the fact that it reached a memorandum of understanding with an ad hoc group of bondholders holding more than 33% of Moby's bonds. So this caused the, the notes to jump up to 50 to 52 as the market now believes that a new and improved restructuring agreement between the company and its creditors is actually possible. Let's not forget that the company has been fighting with its ad hoc group of bondholders for a year and a half, and that it was the same ad hoc group of bondholders which filed a bankruptcy petition for the company in October uh, 2019, as they believed that Moby would have been unable to service its debt and that it was depleting the value of its assets through a series of vessel sales and related party transactions. Got it. So what's changed in the meantime? So negotiations between Moby and the ad hoc group um, of bondholders, the banks and Tirrenia in extraordinary administration. Uh, Tirrenia is a company managed by the Italian state to which Moby owes 180 million euros of an unsecured deferred payment. So these negotiations have been going for have been going on for months. Uh, different ideas and proposals were exchanged, with some of the creditors focusing especially on their request for a change of governance of the company. So there was no agreement with anyone until now, when the memorandum of understanding was signed only with the ad hoc uh, group of bondholders. Now, people expect some changes to the restructuring plans, which were submitted by the companies uh, over this summer. Okay, but it's still not quite accurate to say that things are settled. Well, things are not settled uh, at all, I would say. There are two ongoing processes which can have a big impact on the on the whole situation. First, uh, um, Vincenzo Norato, who is the founder of Mobi, and his son Achille Norato, the CEO of the company, are under investigation in Milan for alleged fraudulent bankruptcy. Um, the Honoratos are accused of having allegedly used around 12 million of the company's money uh, for private expenses, so basically contributing to the financial distress of the business. Um, what did these alleged private expenses consist of? Well, a bit of everything, really. A house in Sardinia, the leasing of cars and an aircraft, and the financing of, of some political parties uh, from the Five Star Movement of uh, Beppe Grillo to the party of Matteo Renzi. Okay, and what about the second process you mentioned? It's another pretty unexpected development of the situation. So Moby sued Morgan Stanley and one of its bondholders in the Southern District of New York because they tried, according to Moby, uh, to quote-unquote, 
illegally acquire control of the business by purchasing a control stake in Mobis Bonds at a substantial discount using inside information. This is the, the key point, using inside information. Uh, Moby said that Morgan Stanley is kind of concealing the fact that it holds at least 10% of the bonds. And the company also published a series of conversations of these investors with an unnamed global third investigative services firm to prove uh, its points. So the matter has become uh, very personal and, and pretty and pretty nasty. Wow, okay. Um, and can you just remind us what kind of timetable we're working to here? What are the deadlines here for Moby's case? Well, as I said, in mid-June, both Moby and Chin filed an updated version of their restructuring plans. And these plans envisage the recovery of around 9% for secured financial creditors on the part of their credit which is not covered by the value of the collateral, which is uh, Moby's fleet. Uh, we need to understand if these plans will change and how. And uh, the creditors of Moby will probably vote on December the 13th, while Chin's creditors' vote has been set on December the 20th. Now, the European plastics and flexible packaging sector has endured a challenging few months as the cost of resins, which are the main raw material, have surged. Rob, can you talk us through what's been going on? Hi, Richard. Yes. Resin prices are mostly derived from crude oil and natural gas, prices for which have increased by 71% and over 100% respectively year over year. With most packaging firms typically facing a lag before they can pass through the rise in input costs, margins have come under heavy pressure, which has impacted earnings. But in the last couple of months, resin costs have stabilised and are starting to trend downwards. At the same time, packaging companies are starting to manage to pass through the higher resin costs by raising pricing, enabling them to start restoring their battered margins. However, the respite is being tempered somewhat by a surge in non-resin costs, which means the sector will now continue facing headwinds for a few more months before it can fully recover. The problems really started at the beginning of the year when resin costs embarked on a five-month climb in the wake of US-Texas outages and suppliers globally diverting product to the US. The supply chain shock resulting from the winter storms in Texas were further impacted by strong demand across the building construction and automotive industries, as well as other sectors. The cost of PP Homo polymer resin, one of the most widely used resins in the plastic packaging sector, rocketed some 75% higher than the prior year prices. While most packaging producers have passed through clauses in their supply contracts, these typically have a three to four month lag, which left them on the hook for several months. Okay, and um, what kind of companies that, that we look at are being affected by this? I think the main ones in our universe are Kluckner Pentaplast, Vena Plastics and Pacor. Um, these were some of the packaging names hit by the runaway resin costs during the second quarter. All three companies managed to grow sales during the quarter, but that was largely as a result of trying to raise prices in response to the raw material cost spike. Earnings fell sharply due to the margin pressure. If we look at Kluckner, it revised down its 2021 EBITDA guidance to 275 million following the impact of the timing of price cost pass-throughs, which it expects to lead to a timing-based compression on EBITDA of around 35 million. Kluckner's management expressed confidence in its ability to pass through some of the resin inflation with PET and PVC prices expected to decline in the fourth quarter. If we look at Vena, its EBITDA was down 15% versus the same period last year in April, and down 26% year-on-year in June, 
but it had drawn level again with the prior year in July. And Paco's EBITDA started slipping in March as well, falling short of the prior year by 3%, but this increased to 6% in April. And by June, EBITDA was down almost 40% year on year. However, by July, the drop had moderated to a 20% shortfall versus the prior year. One packaging peer whose margins have remained largely immune to the resin cost jump is Sure Flexibles, an Austrian flexibles packaging producer that just issued a seven-year 475 million term loan B at a arrival plus 425 um, basis point margin and an OID of 99.5, uh, which it used to part fund its buyout by Austrian investment firm BNC Group. Sure tends to serve smaller customers, mainly in the SME segment, which means it produces specialist flexible plastics and smaller batch processes and can effectively apply spot pricing. Okay, interesting. And what does this mean for cash generation? Well, the lower earnings obviously had a direct impact, but the price spike in resins also pushed up the cost of companies' working capital. As a result, several of the packaging names we've discussed turned free cash flow negative. Bena, for example, burned through 4.6 million euros in April, 2.95 million euros in June, and 8.2 million in July, while Paco burned through 3.6 million euros in April, 3.3 million in May, and 12.4 million in July. Uh, by comparison, uh, Klöckner had burned through uh, 10 million after leases during the second quarter. Even sure Flexible's cash generation was derailed by higher working capital and is expected to be negative this year. Okay, so um, looking at this picture, what do you think is, is next for, for these companies in this sector? While the earnings shortfall has started to ease in July due to the resin cost pass-throughs finally kicking in, packaging firms are now facing a fresh headache with non-resin costs on the rise too. Since July, other raw material costs have started to climb, while packaging producers are also being hit by the recent jump in energy and logistics costs. So it looks like the sector might be under pressure for a little while longer. As usual, you can read more about all of these situations on our website, reorg.com. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.